There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Hey, thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. This is a series of programs where we discuss the critical skills that you need to get ahead and to succeed in your career. My name is Charlie Jett, and I'm an internationally certified career coach, and I specialize in career management, skill development, and career crises. I'm a Harvard MBA, and I manage the career industry sector for the Harvard Business School Club of Chicago. I'm coming to you from our studio high above the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in beautiful downtown Chicago. Now, in the previous series of programs, we discussed what those critical skills are, where they came from, their importance, and how you can master them. And in this program, we're going to depart a bit and get into the practical application of some of those skills and focus on a very specific challenge that we have all faced one time or another. And that challenge is, what are the important steps you must take in your job search? And we'll get into the problems you face and the challenges you face. There are many, you know, but uh, some are very much more challenging than others. And today we're very fortunate to host the founder of a highly successful networking group that specializes in connecting you with your next career opportunity. He is Mr. Marty Gilbert. Specifically, Marty is the expert in the job search process. In 2010, by way of background, Marty founded the North Shore Executive Networking Group, and today over 8,000 single contributors, managers, directors, vice presidents, and C-level executives are members. And Marty has helped over 2,000 of them. Just think of that. 2,000 of them obtain their next career opportunities. Marty really knows his stuff. The ins and outs of the job search process, what works, what doesn't work, and how you can be successful when you face this challenge. And you can visit his website. It's nsenginc.com. Again, that's nsenginc.com to find out more about Marty and his network to join and to start networking yourself. So, Marty, welcome to It's All About Skills. Great. Nice to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, Charlie. My pleasure. To begin with, in a nutshell, let me just start by adding a, asking a pretty broad question. What do you feel are the most important elements of a job search that are essential to becoming successful in that search? I know I realize this is a very broad question. So after the summary, you'll be able to, uh, we'll dig into each of these challenges in a little more detail. Sure. I think that uh, first and foremost, the job seeker needs to think of themselves as being a product and they need to view their job search as if it's a new product launch. Okay? This is a big switch, but so many people in a job search have launched new products. 
whether they're in marketing, sales, operations, finance, it doesn't matter. We've all seen or been a part of, of new product launches, whether it's a service, a hard good, um, some intangible. Now it's, the paradigm has changed. It's, it's kind of like branding too, isn't it? Well, and that's exactly where we're headed. Okay. okay. <laughs> so when, when you are a new product, you've got to have a branding statement, okay? And, and the fact is that whenever we launch a new product, we have to do our homework before we can substantiate whether or not we should be investing in the development of that product. So you have to define how big is the market? Who is the target audience? What is the message and the value behind the product you're introducing? And then how do you reach the audience? And it's the same thing for a job seeker. And it starts with your branding, right? What is your branding statement? Because one of the most important parts of a job search is to make yourself memorable. And that branding statement can do that for you. Now, as an adjunct and a build off of the branding statement is your value proposition. In 45 seconds or less, what is it that makes you unique, different, and better than other potential candidates that are going to be considered for various jobs that you would be pursuing? And so your value proposition has got to be able to convey a brief summary of your background, but more important, what are the three or four key things that you bring to the table that make you a very strong candidate for any potential role? It's kind of like your, it's kind of like your elevator speech. It, 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 that's exactly what it is. That, that is exactly what it is. Now, this all starts with the written word, okay? And I'm a very picky written word person because I started out my career as a copywriter. So um, I can be pretty critical with a lot of the people that I coach, but that's a good thing because every word counts when it comes to branding and value proposition. And then the next piece off of that is who's your audience? Who are you trying to reach? And too many job seekers just don't do their homework up front to define who that audience is. And there's a three-tiered process to it. What are the industries that you're going after? And many job seekers have worked in multiple industries. Let's define what those are. Within every industry, there are going to be many companies. Who are all those companies? And then within every company, you've got to identify five, six, or seven key people that you want to get the word out to. This will enable you to then do an outbound marketing campaign or an outbound product launch to all of these people. And so for a lot of folks, you might have three industries where you bring expertise in. You might be able to identify 15 or more companies in every one of those. So you might have you know, 50 companies and now you're gonna have at least five people in every one of those firms that you wanna target. So now you've got a database of 250 to could be as many as 500 or more people. And you've got to get that email marketing campaign going out because you're not going to rely only on advertised jobs. And that's a big mistake that a lot of people make. Everybody wants to gravitate toward that shiny object because it's just so easy to apply to an online ad. And, and that's just not the way to go. You've got to define what you're going after first. Wow, wow, that's quite a list and it's a challenge. Yep. And uh, based on that, what do you think uh, are some of the biggest mistakes that job seekers make when starting their search. Okay, well, I would say that uh, what I've just identified is probably one of the, the biggest mistakes is a lot of people jump right into the online ad and they just don't do that foundational work up front. right? You've gotta have you know, a job search plan. You've gotta have more importantly, a job search marketing plan. You know, who are you going after? You know, how are you going to get to them? What's the timeline in which you're going to do these sequential, you know, outbound campaigns? Um, and, and, 
and that really will enable you to optimize, but more importantly, target your efforts. Yeah. Um, yeah I, by the way, what you're saying in Harvard Business School language, you're marketing to the consumer. And the yes. consumer is the person or the group of people that are going to hire you. Yeah. You know, I, I, another critical mistake that a lot of people do is they put all their eggs into the HR basket. Okay, now if you're looking for an what HR position. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the fact is, is that unless you're looking for an HR position, HR is the last place you want to go to when you're in a job search. Really? Because these folks, yeah, these folks are doing, you know, they're doing phone screens and that's about it. They're really not players in the job search process because they don't have decision-making power, they don't own the budget, and they have little to no influence when it comes to deciding who is going to be the candidate of choice. The people that have that are the hiring manager, the hiring manager's peers, who will all be a part of the hiring process, and the hiring manager's boss, if they have a boss. And so too many people think that the answers all sit in HR and talent acquisition and talent recruitment, and absolutely not. I have had plenty of people who have been rejected by an applicant tracking system, and I know we're, maybe we'll have a chance to touch on that. They've got rejected in 15 minutes, but I've still been able to help them get interviews because we go to the right people. It, and so you really got to get to that audience uh, of folks that have the ability to make decisions and that own the budget. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of your advice to people looking for jobs is you got to know your consumer. You, you do, you do, and that's why I say understanding your audience up front. Okay, in every single company, who are you going to be messaging to? And it doesn't matter that you're messaging to people that don't have responsibility for the role where you would sit. That's okay. You're trying to create visibility, right? Any product will only succeed when it creates awareness and visibility in the marketplace. And now you are that product. And you have to have a message that goes right to those consumers. Yeah, yeah. And let's let's face it. You know, today there's just there's more competition than ever. I mean, we're we're doing this now in you know in March. We're still in the midst of COVID nineteen, and you know, on average, there's always somewhere between one hundred and two hundred individuals re responding to every online ad. Okay. Wow. And and online ads today represent about sixty percent of the market. Okay, um, you know, maybe we'll have a chance to talk a little bit about the hidden job market because that's where a lot of people just don't go. Um, but the important thing is you've got to be able to get the word out and get the word out to the right people. And, and too many folks just take the easy route and that's they hit send and they hope for the best. Yeah. Well, when there's 200 other people responding, I don't like 200 to one odds. And that's why I, I always tell people that I'm coaching, hey, we got to get to the people that, that can make decisions. Yeah. Well, tell us, you know, you mentioned the hidden job market. Tell us a little bit about that. What are you talking about? Yeah. So when, when I think about the hidden job market, because we can easily define what is the advertised job market, right? Those are online ads. Um, it's, it's things that are being uh, done by uh, retained search firms. I mean, those are well-defined jobs. But I maintain that about 40% of all the jobs that are in the marketplace at any given point in time are part of what I call the hidden job market. Now, the hidden job market can, can take on a few different forms. One is it can be an idea or a plan for somebody to eventually post that job online. But if you can get to them before they post it, you've now taken those odds of 200 to 1 down to 1 to 1. Because if you can get in there with the right message that conveys and connects the dots between your background and what you do and what you believe that company needs or what that job might be, 
then you, you now have the opportunity to have that job never get posted. Now, the second thing and the second potential opportunities that oftentimes exist with the hidden job market, and to me, this is even bigger, is that if you have a really strong outbound email, and, and obviously you've got to have a good resume, but if you are resonating with the people on the receiving end of this email with some really critical things about your past that have relevance to them, you now start planting seeds for a job that may not exist today, but it could cre you know, create an exploratory conversation that gets them to say, hey, you know what, we ought to have her come on in here and have a conversation, or let's get her on a Zoom call. And, and the moment you get that audience, you have gotten in that is not ever going to get created by waiting and hoping for the best. And, and that's where you, you really, you know, you, you, you take this outbound approach to create activity so you're not waiting for things to happen to you, but you're making things happen for you. It sounds like it sounds like there's a lot more going on than just the process. You got to use your noggin. You got to do a little thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. And I tell people that 90% of the job search is marketing, and that's why I say this is not an HR exercise. This is a marketing exercise, and I can say that because I am a marketing person, and I really, having been through many job searches myself. I understand what it's going to take to stand out. There's positioning, packaging. There's, you know, the, the, the messaging is absolutely critical. Um, the defining of your audience and then getting the word out. And 90% of the marketing is messaging. So that's why I say the written word is so important because that written word is what enables you to create, you know, intriguing messaging both on paper, online, and through the things that you say in your elevator pitch and so on. Yeah, and it's all enhancing your brand. Hey, now, now I know that many people talk about networking, okay, and that's in the title of your, of your business and so forth. That's a key comp component of the job search process. Now, that being the case, what advice would you give to people to maximize the value of their network? So to me, 70% of all the jobs that are acquired involve some level of networking. So that's Big, that's a big you, you, you've got to be good at this. You've got to get comfortable with it, right? But we, we've all seen through LinkedIn, right? Um, I joined LinkedIn very early uh, back in 2004. Uh, today, I have over 20,000 LinkedIn connections, and every one of them has potential value to me. Because from a networking perspective, and while I'm not looking for a job myself, if I was, Every one of those people has the potential to make an introduction on my behalf to somebody that I want to get to. Yeah. So if you increase and broaden your network, you are increasing your chances of seeing more potential companies and more key people in those firms. And, and the fact is, is that you, can, you should never discount somebody because of their title, because you never know who they live next door. Uh, yeah. Who is there? Who is a neighbor? Who is a relative? Who is a close friend? You know, who do they get together with socially outside of work? Uh, and so that's why I fall in love with second degree connections on LinkedIn, because there's just so many more of them. And it's, you know, it's not so important you know, what that person that you connect with, uh, who they are or what, you know, what they have as a title, but yeah. more important is who do they know? Who yeah. do they know? And, and that's the key to networking because one of the most important things in networking is knowing how to ask for help. Yeah. How do you ask for an introduction? 
because you can identify who that person is that they are connected to that you'd love to get an introduction to, but your, your, your request, you know, for an introduction has got to be done well. And, and, and a lot of people are very hesitant to do it because, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable doing it. And, and one of the great, some of the greatest introductions are going to be from people that you never knew before you started your job search. Yeah. I, I tell a lot of folks, please don't be disappointed if you get little to no help from your closest friends, family members, and relatives. Yeah. They know you in a very different light. They know you personally. They don't know you professionally. And that's why complete strangers are really fantastic people to network with uh, because in many cases, they themselves have either been through a job search or they know and understand and empathize with what it means to help and pay forward, you know, an opportunity to introduce somebody. Wow. Now you mentioned a, a magic word. You mentioned uh, LinkedIn. I know social media is really important and LinkedIn particularly is important to the success of uh, marketing, as you say, oneself in the job search. Now I'm going to ask you a huge question. And I know that you conduct seminars on the subject, and maybe you can, maybe it's a real challenge to have you boil it down in just a few minutes, but how does one maximize one's value on LinkedIn? So I think of LinkedIn as having two big uh, values, right? And it's really, it's nothing more than a database. Yeah. But it's a pretty phenomenal database and it's very current because when people change jobs, you know, within a month or two, they're updating their LinkedIn profiles. But there's two key aspects to, to LinkedIn. One is your LinkedIn profile. And how do you draw more attention to your LinkedIn profile? All right. The second piece is how do you use that platform to find the right people? Right. So if we just step back for a second, let's start with your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, and this is going to be a bit of a long-winded answer. Okay. okay I asked for it. Just, just me. <laughs> so when we think about our LinkedIn profile, why is a LinkedIn profile important? Well, it's important because it's your face 24-7 to the outside world. And we want to draw attention to our LinkedIn profile. Now, the difference between a resume and a LinkedIn profile is very simple. A resume is about less is more. How do I say all the right keywords and key phrases in my resume in the fewest words possible? A LinkedIn profile is just the opposite. It's about more is more. How do I load up my profile with more and more of the right content, the right keywords, the right key phrases? That's really important because people that are looking for candidates, whether they're the hiring manager or somebody in HR, they're going into the back end of LinkedIn they're plugging in a series of key skills that they're looking for in the job that they're trying to fill. And the people that are going to rank the highest are going to be the ones that have the most keyword matches. And so if you don't load up your profile with a lot of those correct keywords that are associated with the kinds of jobs that you want to pursue, you'll never rank high enough to be visible, which means- By the way, by the way you, mentioned, you mentioned ranking. Yeah. Am I correct in saying, or maybe you can say something about that LinkedIn will enable you to get a ranking of how your profile stacks up, isn't it? The, the, yeah, the way it will work is that the, uh, whoever's going into the back end for, from a given company into that database, um, they're plugging in you know, various skills. They might be plugging in specific companies they want to recruit people from, people with certain titles, right? There's a, there's a lot of variables that can go into it, but the skills are, are gonna hold the greatest weight. And what, what, from that, that input, they will then receive an output in rank order 
of which people meet the requirements that you've just put in here. And of course, the people that are at the top of that ranking are going to have far greater opportunities to get an interview than folks that just aren't very visible. Yeah. So, so that's anyway, another question to you about LinkedIn, and then you talked about the profile. It seems, it, 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 is it true, and am I correct in thinking that you're, you have to make an impression very fast with your profile? That means you've got to have some key words and some key things that somebody can see in the first 10 or 15 seconds yep. that they look at your profile. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So, so when, you know, when people come to your profile, the most vis there's, there are two key visible areas on your profile, okay? The banner that sits above your photograph yep. and the photograph itself, okay? <laughs> too many people don't take that photograph serious enough. And if you don't have a professionally taken photograph, that very first impression that people have of you is not going to be necessarily the one that you want. And guess what? They may not read on any further. Yeah. So you've got a huge branding opportunity with the banner and you can create all kinds of visual imagery or just get things off of Google images at no charge. Um, and, and you can superimpose text on there that have your branding statement and a few key bullet points that describe who you are. But visually you can do this in a very dynamic way in that banner. Okay, and then of course your photographs got to be good. You get your headline has got to have it loaded up with the right keywords. And so what's driving this is search engine optimization. Okay, yeah. and, and, and that's a digital tech. It's a digital marketing technique, um, oftentimes referred to as SEO. Um, I got in on this very early with companies that I was working for. And, and it's really the ability to link your background and key skills and everything that's about you and your description of your profile to the people that are going in and looking. And, and, and this is what's going to get you a lot more visibility. Right? Now, let me ask you this too about LinkedIn is you can, you can not only have a great profile and you can put in a lot, a lot of good stuff about yourself, your skills, your experience, all that kind of stuff, your credentials, but you can also post things. You can also post articles or your thoughts. And you can tie them into different groups on LinkedIn where you get noticed. Yeah. And then you can also, uh, am, I, am I correct on this? You can also comment on other people's post, posts that are of interest to you. And that gets you busy on LinkedIn and gets you visible. Right. So now you're, you're touching on the second, the second piece of LinkedIn. So the first is the, is the profile. And the second is how do you utilize the platform? And there's, ah. there are so many ways, one of which is exactly what you said. You can join up to a hundred LinkedIn groups. They can be LinkedIn groups based on titles, based on geography, based on industry. And so you can get, you know, you can join very large global groups that were, that could have several hundred thousand members in them, or you can join local groups, whether it's Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Houston, New York, yeah. you can find all these groups uh, by titles or by industries. And the reason why you want to join these groups is the very reason that you just mentioned. You can post. You can put things up there to create visibility for yourself. Okay. Yeah. You could take an article that was already written. You can make some comments about it and put it up on a number of LinkedIn groups. Yeah. And when and, you and attribute it to the author, I mean, you have to attribute oh, it to the author. So absolutely. Now, you can also do some original work. You yeah. can write some thought leadership of your own. It doesn't have to be extensive. Um, it, but what's nice about this is that if people like what they see, one of the first things they do is they go back and take a look at your LinkedIn profile. And that's a good thing. We want that. We want profile views. And that's a key piece of this. 
Well, let me say this, that it sounds like we could do a whole podcast program on LinkedIn. And would you want, would you mind doing that down the road a little bit? Oh yeah, not a problem. I, I, do, I do a three hour workshop on it. We can certainly condense that down to, you know, a select group of highlights. It's quite evident that you know what you're talking about when you talk about LinkedIn. And we'll do a podcast down there on there. Sure. Okay. Now you also mentioned something earlier about your resume. You mentioned that a clear and crisp resume is important to the job search process. And in, and in the days of, uh, we do digital tracking these days. You mentioned about uh, di digital stuff. And you told me that uh, many companies use a thing called the applicant tracking system or the ATS. Okay, Marty, what is ATS? And what can a job seeker do to enhance his or her chances of getting selected for an interview? Yeah, so the applicant tracking system is, is nothing more than a piece of software. Now, they were, they were used very heavily uh, several years ago by, uh, by recruiters, external recruiters, but they have now found their way into the home inside almost any talent acquisition team of any size. It's a quick and easy way to review somebody's resume for, for very specific keywords. Yeah. And, you know, let's think about it. if you're looking for a director of marketing or a VP of finance or, a, you know, a, a, a chief marketing officer, any, any number of jobs, there, there's a job spec and there's certain skills that you want from this person and certain qualifications. Okay. And so those, those, those are going to be matched up against the person's resume. And they're, they're looking for keyword and key phrase matches and, and essentially are able to then rank order, you know, hey, we've got 160 resumes here. Here's the top five. Yep. And the ATS does the work for the HR department in this case. But, you know, it, it's really nothing more than a piece of software. And so I tell people, you've got to have two versions of your resume. One is a resume that you attach to an email. But when there's online jobs, that don't allow you to upload a PDF, then you need to up be uploading an ATS compliant version of your resume. It's it not sounds like it sounds like if you don't subscribe or at least get involved in the in the ATS kind of thing, you're at a severe disadvantage. Well, what what most people don't realize is that seven out of ten resumes that are uploaded to an online application are incapable of being read by the ATS. And here's some of the just, I mean, there's, I've got about 25 things that, you, that your, your resume, you know, can potentially violate and, and render it unreadable. Only 25? <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. <laughs> today, yes. Uh, you know, no, no italics, no hyperlinks, no color, no, you know, underlines. Those things potentially can, can, can kick you out. Okay. No, you're never going to get an email from the ATS saying, Hey, I'm really sorry, but we couldn't read your resume because it had a hyperlink on your email address. No, all you know is that you've heard nothing or that you've gotten a rejection, you know, response uh, in within a half an hour. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of folks that just don't know those guidelines. And as a result, unbeknownst to them, um, no, nothing was read beyond their name in some cases. Yeah, because once once the ATS says I can't read, I can't read a hyperlink or I can't read a, an italic, it stops and it says give me the next resume. Oh my God! No, yeah. let me. We could go on to that thing for quite a while, but is uh, you have a webinar coming up, don't you? And uh, a uh, a program about the AT, uh, the I'm going to call it ATF. The yeah. ATS system, uh, don't you? Can you tell us yeah. a little? Yeah, about it, it? yeah. It, the uh, the event is going to be to all the HBS alumni. 
Um, it's being hosted the Harvard Business School Club. Yes, and it's being hosted uh, by the Chicago uh, Club. And it's going to be on Monday, March 29th, um, from 11 to 12 o'clock Central Time. And it's going to be all about how to build uh, a resume that's compliant with applicant tracking systems. And people can sign up, members of the Harvard Business School Club can sign up for that. Yep, it's free I, to them, and then I, I, there may be a, uh, you know, a fee for folks outside of the organization if they want to open it up to them. Well, I'll tell you, I think that's going to be a popular one. Now, as you mentioned, or we talked, you, I think you mentioned the word interview a little while ago. I, I can't remember exactly in what context, but the interview for a job is critical, and it always has been, and there are many issues to concern when preparing for it. But, you know, we live in a new age, and a lot of interviews are conducted, uh, conducted on Zoom. So what tips might you suggest for someone who's preparing for an online Zoom interview? So I love Zoom interviews um, a lot more than I do a phone screen, okay? Phone screens are, are tougher because you're not getting that tactile feedback between you and the interviewer. You don't know how engaged they are, right? And you, and you just don't, you not seeing them is, is, makes it tougher. But with Zoom, you're seeing the person on the other end, yeah. which is a big bonus. And, and it's, a good, um, it's a good second choice to an in-person interview, right? Um, and, and so some of the things you gotta keep in mind with a Zoom interview is that you've gotta have good, you gotta have good lighting and it's worthwhile to invest in good lighting for one thing. And, and I tell people, you know, just go on Amazon. You can buy a simple ring light you know, it'll cast a nice, even uh, light all, you know, across your, your, your face and, and, and the front of your body. Um, the second thing is make sure you have a decent background. Now, it can, be, it can be your own background, but, you know, keep it simple. Don't have distracting things in the background. Can, you, can it be fake like the one I have? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I will make one suggestion um, for folks that are thinking about using fake backgrounds, virtual backgrounds is that it may be worthwhile to also invest in a green screen. Yeah. A green screen is what you see all the, you know, weather people using on TV all the time. We see it in fact today, every, all these, and most of these newscasters are still working from home and many of them are probably using green screens, which enables you to put whatever you want in the background, but it avoids potential aberrations when you, when, you know, when you move your body, you move your hands, sometimes you'll see a, a trail um, the green screen will create a nice crisp edge around, you know, your body and, and your face. Um, another thing is just the positioning of your laptop. Make sure that your webcam is at eye level. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the, you know, easy mistakes that a lot of job seekers do is that they put the laptop, they put it down on their desk, which means that the camera is now looking up their nose. Yeah. Not a pretty picture. Or they put it away up high and then they, you're looking. You know. Or you're looking, yeah, yeah, you're looking up. It's just, it's just, you get it at eye level. So that, because that's important because the person you're talking to wants to know you're looking at them. Yeah, they want to be engaged. Absolutely. And, and so that perception uh, is important. Um, you know, also, again, I'm, I'm just talking about tools here. I haven't even talked about the interview itself. It's worthwhile to invest in a USB connected microphone. You can, these are not expensive, but they give you a higher quality of audio. Um, now, it, I, I recognize that today, you know, the microphones in a lot of laptops um, are, have gotten very good, but you can get even better. 
Um, and with a very small investment, you can get yourself a microphone that has a cord that's connected uh, into the USB port in your laptop. And I think you will find that the results uh, of the audio quality are better. Um, and, and I think that the, the last thing is you've got to show a sense of enthusiasm. One of, the, one of the great opportunities with Zoom is that you can show a little exuberance, some excitement, yeah. it's really interested, right? And I tell people one of the best ways to begin to characterize yourself as really interesting or interested is sit on the edge of your chair. Yeah. Don't sit back, sit forward, lean in, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with from time to time pausing. The oh, yeah. pause is so powerful because when you pause, people wonder what you're going to say next. And that's how you start to get them really listening to what you have to say. And well, you're, you're mentioning a lot of tips and things about good coaching too, that uh, the pause is powerful and the embodiment when you move and you share, yeah. you do things other than just speak in a monotone and that sort of stuff is really important. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, Charlie, with a lot of your coaching, okay, because the, the, the difference between you and I is that I'm, I'm helping people who are trying to get a job. You're helping people who have a job in, in large part, right? And, 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 a, and a big issue for a lot of people on the job is their presence and their presentation, right? And, and I'm sure these are areas that, you know, you talk with folks about, and it's so critical because when you are a very strong presenter and, and cast a very strong presence, you get a lot more credibility. Yeah, no kidding. Right, a lot more credibility. It goes a long way with, for your career. You engage the audience and that yep. sort of stuff, and the audience can be the key people that you work with. So, Absolutely. Now, hey, let, me, let me shift gears a little bit. We got a lot to talk about down the road, so I think we're gonna be uh, doing a few of these podcasts. Like sure. Now, let's talk about, you know, if we can, what you've seen in terms of the career world, and it, it's become a lot more complex these days, and it can be really hard to navigate. I know what are some of the major challenges that uh, face today's career-minded individual? Not, not only those that are looking for jobs and that sort of stuff, but just in general. Well, I think one of the challenges for folks is a lot of people, um, whether they're currently looking, you know, whether they're currently unemployed, let's not forget that there are a lot of people that are underemployed. Oh, yeah. They're not happy. They're not happy with what they've got. They may have settled for a position that was beneath them, right? And so I do come across a lot of folks that say, you know what, I am fed up with this industry that I've been in. Send them to me, Marty, because yeah, I know. <laughs> that sounds like one of the many career crises you have. It is, and a lot of people think that the answer to that is to switch industries. Or, or switch jobs, and that's not, that may a big, be a big mistake for people. It, it can be, it can be. And so I'll just touch on the industry uh, transition, okay? Because it's, uh, it, it, can, it can work for some and it cannot work for some others. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are certain jobs that, well, let me start off by saying that one of the easiest ways for hiring companies to uh, eliminate qualified candidates is if they're not an industry fit. Because I grew up in the age where nobody got fired for hiring IBM. IBM at that point in time was by far the best computer company in the world. And if you bought the best, nobody's going to finger point when it didn't work out. Now, this, the same is true in a job search. Yep. 
industry fit is absolutely critical, okay, uh, in certain jobs. Now, it's not as important for people in jobs that are very industry agnostic, like IT, finance, HR. And, and so those people are more likely to be able to make pivots to uh, new industries that they've never been in because the, their skills are not as dependent on understanding the industry, okay? Now, granted, there's exceptions to every role. But there are certain jobs where industry knowledge is absolutely critical. Yeah. Sales, marketing, product management, in some case, operations, right? And, and, what, and why they're important is because these are customer-facing jobs. Now, for people that have at least, say, seven or eight years of experience, when we're bringing them into a role, whether it's manager, director, VP, or a C-level position, we don't want to have to, you know, we don't want to have to train those people, sales, marketing, product management, for example, on our industry. We'll yeah. train them on our products, our services, and our technology, but they better come with that industry experience already because we just don't have the time to do that for somebody who's going to be in a leadership role. So for those folks, it's, you know, I, I tell them, start with the industries where you've been and then create concentric circles around it. And you can start to you know, build out to you know, some of the tangential industries if you're not getting what you want. Because the hiring process is in large part about risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. Who is the least risky candidate, right? And, and even in you know, IT and, and, and finance jobs, right? If we've got one candidate, if, if, we've got, if we're down to two finalists and they both have the same skills, right? And that happens a lot but one of them comes from our industry. In fact, it's been in our industry for 15 or more years, and the other one has never been there. Yeah. Trust me, that person with that industry background has a huge leg up because they already have, you know, and understand all the nuances of that industry, and that's gonna be important um, at some point in time to the hiring company. Well, you know, you mentioned the industry now, you also mentioned skills and so forth, and they, you know, in today's world, the career management process is more in the hands of the individual, as you were suggesting, yeah. than it was the company's not necessarily going to take care of it. You've got, to, you've got a set of skills that you have to build. It's like building a mosaic of a picture of yourself. And a lot of these skills, as you're suggesting, are portable. You know, you take those skills with you wherever you go. And that's, uh, I think that's a key point that you were making. Yeah. Now, we you 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 call yourself a coach, and when you coach yourself, coach people, you coach them basically on the as you mentioned earlier the the process of looking for the job search that are doing the job search, the branding of themselves, the marketing of themselves, getting off their rear ends and getting out there and prospecting, utilizing LinkedIn. You coach that well that coach that way now. What do you consider the value of coaching in today's career management world? Not, you know, not in terms of the job search, but it's, but of, uh, you know, the kind of things that I do, the, the managing one's career, um, skill development, dealing with the kind of career crisis, like maybe being bored and frustrated in your job. And by the way, not too long ago, Gallup did a poll and found out that about 70% of the people in the workforce are bored and frustrated in their job. Doesn't surprise me. Just think, of, just think of what that does to productivity. Yeah. If you could increase that uh, enthusiasm just a bit. But 
the question was basically uh, talk about coaching in general. And, and you, you run into people that are, that look for coaching other than just jobs. Sure. sure. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of, uh, so the, there's the job search coaching that I do. Um, but for people that are, you know, that are currently employed, um, there, there are a lot of different elements where coaching can be very critical. Um, one is understanding how to work in a highly matrixed organization. Okay. I've worked in a few of these companies. Motorola was one. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is that you're going to find yourself oftentimes working on projects where you have people from other departments that need to be accountable to you for a project that you're managing, but they don't report to you. And that's hard. And that's, there's a real art to that skill. Yeah. So being able to, to survive and do well in a matrix organization is, is a very critical area where I believe coaching can have an important play. Yeah. Fantastic. Now you, uh, when I, when I made the introduction for you, you, I talked about the fact that you started this group called the North Shore Executive Networking Group. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how does someone uh, sign up and what are some of the upcoming uh, webinars and programs you have for, for the group? Yep. So, you know, the group is something that I, I started uh, about 11 years ago. Um, I pulled together five other people who, like myself, were in a job search at the time. Today, it's over 8,000 members. I have five new members joining the group every day, but most importantly, I, all, I have almost two people every day landing a new job during COVID-19. Wow. This has happened from March of 2020 all the way through to March of 2021. Um, it, it, it says a couple things. You know, one is there's a high level of talent in this organization yeah. because, you know, folks are very interested in being a part of being a part of a group that has a lot of, you know, really highly skilled people. Um, but the second is a lot of the tips and advice that I'm sharing with the group, along with those folks that I bring into the organization from time to time to speak to them in various webinars, um, it's working. It's working. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I have created is this what the hell approach to job search. And we'll probably have an opportunity to talk about this maybe in another podcast. Oh, take two minutes and talk about it right now. I just that's, it that's, that's, a, that's a grab. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the, the what the hell approach to job search, I, I actually applied with the U.S. Patent Department for a trademark and, and was granted that trademark for this about five months ago. And the concept behind it is what the hell do you have to lose by doing things that other job seekers aren't. And, and that's what it takes to create awareness, to stand out from a very crowded job search environment. Um, and to communicate. Your brand, right? Different. Well, yeah, you, you know, it, it's very competitive. There's no, there's no, it, it, and it's always been competitive. Um, but the fact is, is that you've got to be willing to take chances. You've got to be a bit bolder. And, and, and that's what it's going to take because oftentimes the best candidate never gets hired. But the most visible candidate has a huge advantage. And that's what this is about. We've got to create visibility and awareness for your target audience about who you are and what you bring to the party. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's a big piece um, of, of, of the coaching. Now, I, you didn't answer my question, though, about, A, how can you sign up for your group? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Come so on. The, Come on. The, web, the website is nsenginc.com. If you come to our homepage, one of the important things is membership is free. 
Yeah, I do not charge any upfront fee to join it. And you get two bonuses the moment you join. When you join, you're gonna get two webinar recordings from me. The first one is a 60 minute recording where I'm talking about how to find a job during COVID-19. And the second is a 90 minute session where I was fielding questions from all different members on resumes, LinkedIn profiles, networking, branding, um, how, to, how to find and communicate with the right people and on and on. There's just so many different topics. Um, so there, there's, there's absolutely no downside to becoming a member. And ultimately you decide how involved you wanna get. Every two weeks I've got an event going on, whether it's a webinar, which is typically an hour and a half, a workshop, which is usually about three hours. These are all online. Um, I do bring in from time to time TEDx speakers to speak on their areas of expertise, but everything is about job search and helping the individual who comes to whatever events to walk away with five to 10 things that they didn't know before they came into the event. And of course, there's a tremendous amount of networking that goes on within the group because we've got a LinkedIn group that's very active. We've got 8,000 members that you can interact with and, and, and use them to help potentially make introductions into companies that you can't get into. And I tell everybody in the group, any particularly people that join the group, when you join this group, you're, you, you've got now a community of people that are there to support you. And that's important because the job search can be a very lonely journey and it doesn't have to be. And I, can, and I tell people, you can get 50 LinkedIn connections within 50 minutes by joining this group because you can link in with every member in this group and the fact is they all get it. Yeah. Because of the 8,000 members, 2,000 have already landed and they all have been through a search and they understand the value of networking and why it's important to have a lot of LinkedIn connections. And the other 6,000 are in an active job search. So they're in the same boat as you and they understand you help each other when you both create LinkedIn connections. So um, th there's tremendous value in being a part of this organization. And we are the largest in Chicago and probably among the three largest in the country. I just, I haven't met a bigger one yet, but I'm assuming maybe in, in New York or LA, there might be some bigger ones. Yeah, yeah, well that's, well, let me, uh, let me make, make another point here. You don't necessarily have to be looking for a job to be a member of the network. As a matter of fact, there are benefits to being a member of the network when you're not even job searching. That absolutely is an important point. Yeah, because you, you want it. You want to, whether you're looking for a job or not, you always want to be increasing your network. Yeah. And you want to be increasing your network with very talented people, people that are accomplished in their careers. That's what this organization is loaded with. And that's why I, I love it. It's a very diverse group. It's not only finance people or marketing or salespeople. It's people from all different job functions and all different industries. And that diversity is really important, you know, for networking and for job search. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, this has been a load and we're, uh, we're going, it's a good load. Good. As a matter of fact, and, and Marty, I know that we're going to be doing some things down uh, down the line a little bit. Uh, well, I might even be involved with you when you do the resume thing later this month. I don't Good. know for sure, but I might be involved. But is there any other thing that you'd like to mention or cover before we close? Well, anybody should feel comfortable in reaching out to me, particularly if they feel that they're in need of some job search coaching support. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy to conduct exploratory conversations um, and they can reach me at my email address. It's Marty Gilbert, the number one at gmail.com. Um, Marty Gilbert, number one, just Marty Gilbert one 
Mail.com. Right. And we've got, I've got a whole library of webinar recordings that I've done in the past with other, you know, other folks that I've teamed up with um, that are also available to folks. And I have a lot of free recordings on there. I do a lot of, you know, podcast interviews like this on different topics of, uh, of job search. And I've done a, a lot of, you know, short, you know, three, four, five minute uh, recordings of myself on, on a few different topics. So that's all available for it no, at no cost at all. Fantastic. And if you run into some of the people who aren't looking for jobs, but need a little career coaching themselves, you know who to call. Yeah. Well, and, and so that's why I, 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 I love the, I love the fact that, you know, your focus is really in, in helping people that are, are currently on the job and how can they make their careers more successful. And, and I think that's, that's absolutely important. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a really nice compliment to, to what I do. Yeah, it is. And that's why I guess we get along so well with one another. Uh, well, our time is running a little bit short, Marty. And I want to tell you on behalf of our listeners and viewers, uh, and for myself especially, it's been special for me, I would like to express my sincere thanks to you and for your taking the time for what I think has been a very valuable discussion. And I think it's going to be helpful to other people. And again, I'd like to encourage our listeners and our viewers to sign up with Marty on the North Shore Executive Network Group, network, networking group, and that website again is nsenginc.com, nsenginc.com. Now, as for myself, as I mentioned in the introduction, I'm an internationally certified career coach. I'm a Harvard MBA, and I specialize in career management skill development and career crises, crises, and I refer people who are looking for jobs to Marty. Uh, I'm also a best-selling author on Amazon with uh, some three titles, I think six books, and three of the titles are uh, with career-oriented. One of them is called Wanted Eight Critical Skills You Need to Succeed. One is called The Doom Loop, which is really a fun thing and not so crazy as it sounds. And Field Studies, which is all about how to teach the critical skills. And my website, which is being put up, I've got a new website coming up, is called charliejetcoaching.com. And that's Charlie, but it's C-H-A-R-L-I-E, charliejetcoaching.com. Or you can access my author page uh, directly on Amazon. Now, I hope all of you have enjoyed our visit today with the delightful job search expert, Marty Gilbert. And I got to tell you, he's one of the best, if not the best, in the business. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. I, uh, I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Marty. And thank, uh, thank all of you for listening. Uh, this is Charlie Jett, and I hope you find us again as we continue our series of It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.